Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. Support for this episode comes from Kuat Racks. Kuat makes industry-changing products, including kayak, bike, and truck bed racks for the Ozark Outdoorsman, manufactured with the utmost care to quality, style, and longevity. With their lifetime, no worries, limited warranty, they stand behind their products like no other company. Most importantly, Kuat gives back to the community and makes positive impacts on the environment by partnering with grassroots groups. Through their Future Forest Initiative, they plant one tree for conservation with each rack sold. Kuat is based in Springfield, Missouri, and proudly supports all things Ozarks, including this show. Visit kuat.com for more information. The coolest thing for everything to add up and finally come full circle to shooting that buck. Yeah. I would rather have an experience like that than to go somewhere like on private land by myself and shoot like a stud. It's the reward behind the challenge. Yeah. It's like it yeah, makes yeah. it worth it when you finally pull it off. You realize the magnitude of what you've done. Yeah, exactly. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome back to the Ozark Podcast. We are in Joplin, Missouri. Kyle, you and I made the trip up here. It is Halloween as we record this. It's cold and deer are moving. They are everywhere. They really are. What'd you dress up as for Halloween this year? I didn't. I dressed up as a dad. <laughs> Normal clothes. Normal clothes. It's not super often, but anytime we're up here, it's always a treat and get to talk to our northern counterparts up here in the yeah, Ozarks. for sure. We are here at your buddy's house. Um, he's been kind enough to host us here in Joplin. I know That's you're right. from Springfield, but... Yep. So this is Sam Hallam. Sam, welcome to the podcast. We're yeah, gonna, thanks for having me. We're going to be talking some deer, some tactics, and we've got the rut upon us, and we're going to go through kind of your philosophies and how do you how do you hunt these bucks up here in, in Missouri. But before we dive in too deep, are you from Missouri? Did you grow up here? And when did you start hunting deer pretty seriously around here? Yeah, um, so I was actually born in Atlanta, Georgia, of all places. My dad's family's from Monette, Missouri, which is down in uh, like Berry County. Okay. And uh, when we moved back here, we lived in Springfield, and uh, that's where I kind of grew up. And I started, I'd probably say I started really deer hunting the Ozarks hard. Oh, gosh. I shot my first deer when I was like 10 in like the most prime, picture-perfect Ozark country known to man. I mean, it was South Berry County, McDowell, Missouri, on like a frosty November morning. I mean, it could have been like a perfect backdrop yeah. for the Ozark Sun. Can't get any better. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up hunting in South Georgia, um, which was night and day different. So when I when I really started hunting here, granted, I, I didn't really know any different because I was a kid. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, yeah, like progressing through middle school and high school and even college, I, I would just learn steadily each year as, as I went on about deer hunting and specifically hunting them in, in this kind of country, which is very unique. Obviously, you guys know, but maybe not a lot of people know. It's 
it's a lot different than when people think of Missouri, sometimes they'll think of like uh, north of the the Springfield Plateau. Right. So like Jeff City and out, but down here it's a whole different it's a whole different ball game, it's, you know. It's tough. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. These these deer, they they know how to use terrain to their yep. advantage. They're tracking the thermals, the oh, wind, yeah. how it swirls in these hills and hollers. It's a tough game to play. Mm-hmm. And in, and it's not we always talk about it. And Kyle, even, you know, you always mention it when we're talking about like the genesis of starting the Ozark podcast was well, there's a lot of information on how to kill a Kansas buck in between ag fields and bedding, right? right? Oh, so, yeah. So it's like, this is this is one of the very core reasons of like, the Ozarks are unique. Like, we got to talk about this mm-hmm. stuff, right? Dude, this is why the podcast exists. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it's, that's selling it short. But yeah, I mean, some of the idea was, it's a totally different world than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. How do we approach it? Yeah. Which, yeah, which is why I love these conversations. Yeah. Yeah, and the deer... I mean, like I've said, I've hunted in Georgia. Um, I've hunted in Kansas quite a bit, actually. I've killed some good deer in Kansas. And those deer are just so different than like an Ozark mountain buck down here. Some of these, you know, bucks in the Ozarks, they may have never seen a human in their entire life. Mm -hmm. So they are as skittish as all get out. They're elusive. You know, they're they're sneaky. They don't walk where you think a buck is going to walk. Or, you know, you'll look at something and be like, oh, this looks really deery. And then the de- the buck is going to walk somewhere you, you would never imagine a, yeah. a deer to walk. Some like the steepest terrain imaginable. You see his deer come sliding down. And you're like, what in the world? <laughs> like almost goats, you yeah. know? Seriously, it's it's bizarre how that some of these deer act down here. And that's more to the extreme part. Um, there's some parts of Missouri that's very much considered the Ozarks that's not quite that extreme when it comes to the terrain. And But even then, I mean, those deer themselves are a lot different than Kansas bucks or Georgia bucks. There's the only other bucks I know, but yeah. yeah. No, you definitely got to kind of hone in on the region, the area that you're in, even yeah. within the little pockets. Like they may be a little bit different over here, yeah. south to north and, and east to west. Absolutely. Um, so to start, I know we kind of, I was talking with you about like, where do we want to go with this? Because there's, I, what I love about talking about deer hunting is there's always so many different ways you can go and you can cover terrain, scent, you can cover all these different things. But I thought something that was interesting that you mentioned that I that I know you do is um, you actually do a fair amount of kayaking in yeah. to public land um, access. And it's something that I don't, I don't hear a lot of people of doing. You, every now and then you hear about people like rigging up a John boat and sure. loading it up and going in that way. I know like the guys like on the hunting public and, you know, they yeah. do some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the kayak is like, it's such a stealth machine. Oh, yeah. And I just imagine, you know, there's only a limited amount of space on a kayak. So you really kind of got to pare down like what you're taking in and mm-hmm. be very deliberate with what you have. Oh, yeah. What about kayaking into a hunting spot do you do you like? Well, I'm a big mobile hunter. Um, these past like five years, I've really had to hone in on moving around uh, just because, you know, private land is, it's never set in stone. You could have somebody die. You could have somebody sell the land. So, and with me moving around between work, college, moving out of my parents' place when I got to college, I was like, okay, you got to find these, these new places to hunt because it's not easy to just knock on a door anymore and get permission like it used to be, Right. you know? So public land was one of the things that I was like, well, it was almost like when I first started doing it, kind of like not really a last resort, but at the time it seemed like that to me. Mm-hmm. 
So then I, I really started kayak hunting uh, for ducks at first. And uh, I would kayak in and paddle to these places up, you know, four rivers, shallow sage, stuff like that, lakes. I'd float down, you know, different rivers and shoot woodies. Yeah. And then it kind of dawned on me. I was like, you know what? I could, because all the deer sign I would see and the deer activity along rivers, lake edges. I mean, people who do it, they they know that deer are very water centric a lot of times, especially early early season. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, when it's hot and they're trying to find water. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so I was like, you know what? And then that that also kind of coupled with really learning access. So like. I used to just barge into a place and not think anything of it. And then I kind of started learning from other people and my own experiences like, oh, man, you you know, you got to walk in, especially if you're hunting a place uh, really specifically for certain deer. You can't just, you know, go traipsing in there. So I, yeah. I, I learned that the hard way several times. And I was like, I, I can get to these places that are kind of remote in my kayak. And uh, I, don't, I don't really take a whole lot with me, especially when I'm kayaking in, because I got to account for a deer coming out if with you me shoot too. One, yeah, you gotta t drag it out of there. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna plug Crescent Kayaks here for a second. Okay, <laughs> they they're from Georgia, my home state. All right, they make a great boat, and uh, that's what I've been paddling. It's a Crescent Sholey, and I, I really like it a lot. They got enough room for a deer, yeah, like I've, a platform where you can kind of load them on. Yep, and they've got a they got a pretty good weight rating too. So. Anyway, there you yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Crescent Kai. Right. So they make a good boat. But, uh, it, and it's such a, there's just something you guys know therapeutic about just paddling a kayak. Absolutely, man. And, uh, when you're doing it in the fall, it's just a, a total game changer. And when you're just out there, you don't have to worry about fishing, you're just getting to and from spots. I'll scout a lot from a kayak, I'll just paddle around and, you know, look at sign on a lake edge or float down a river and just see how many deer I'm seeing. Because yeah. there's a lot of rivers that run through big pieces of public, you know. Right. So you can just float a 10-mile stretch and have public on either side of you the whole way. So it's 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 a very unique experience, and uh, I think it's a good way to just really take in the Ozarks in general. Yeah. Because a lot of the Ozarks in Missouri is just float streams all through it. I mean, we have tons of them. All, you can go anywhere and float a good river in the Ozarks mm -hmm. and get yeah. to see all the cool, the scenery, especially in the fall, you know? Well, I mean, when you, when you pair up those crisp fall mornings with the leaves changing colors, you're seeing, I, I mean, I always notice anytime you're near a river, a lake, any kind of body of water, you're always seeing a good variety of wildlife too. Like it's not just deer. Oh yeah. It's like, oh man, I saw an otter and a fox and yeah. a duck this morning. You were talking about woodies. Like all kinds of stuff. It's just cool to kind of be out there and really take it in. Uh -huh. Are you paddling in like in the in the middle of the night? Or like is it dark sometimes when, sometimes. You, when you're coming in? So yeah. you're kind of just like out yeah. in this you feel like you're in the ocean a little bit or Yeah, because I don't have any kind of lights rigged up to my my boat. I just go with the headlamp and sometimes I'll I'll bring one of my you know, high high duty flashlights with me. But uh a lot of times, yeah, you're just going in basically literally in the dark. Yeah. Just using that. But a lot of times I'll I'll have kind of like a an idea of where I'm going just because I've seen it in the daylight or I've been there in the daylight. But sometimes, you know, you, you float down a river and I do this all for turkeys too, but you float down the river at night and just kinda pick a spot and go. Yeah. You know? So it's it's pretty cool. It can be nerve wracking sometimes. Yeah. Especially when I first started doing it. 
I'm sure. I mean, yeah, you, you don't know what else is out there. Mm-hmm. Not that anything crazy is out there, although we've talked recently about... Just drowning. Well, there's drowning. <laughs> yeah. We talked recently about the Sasquatch. We have. Oh, yeah. Still not sure if, if we're on board with him being real or not, but you never, you just don't know. Yeah. Out. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, so like kayaking in, has, it's definitely changed how I've hunted deer. It's changed how I've looked at hunting deer. I mean, there's definitely a ton of opportunities with it. Sometimes it can get a little, uh, oh, what's what's a good word for it? Not excessive, but there's a lot going in with it. Like you got to haul your boat, take it with you and all that stuff. But once you're out on the water, it's like you're so glad you did it because even even not killing a deer or hunting or whatever, just being out there on the kayak in the fall in that totally different atmosphere than you're normally used to when you're just fishing, right? It's such a cool, it's a really neat experience. Yeah. And I recommend it. Yeah. Do you find that with the extra work of a kayak and, and all of that, that you're actually, you are opening yourself up to a lot better spots or better access? Or is it, you know, it's already going to be a good spot with decent access and you're just trying to gain an edge. You know, it kind of depends on the spot. Mm-hmm. There's definitely spots that you that I like kayak into or have in the past that, yeah, you can get to by walking in, but you're going to be walking fairly far, um, especially the early season. Mm-hmm. I sweat. I'm a sweaty dude. So I'll, I'll build up a sweat, <laughs> and I hate sweating when I'm deer hunting. Um, and I've found that you kayak in, you cut, you know, you cut that walk down to from maybe from a mile to like a quarter mile or even less. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, you you can definitely gain some really good access kayaking or even just shortening your time out in the field and putting your scent, your ground scent, just significantly less. I mean, that that in itself helps a lot. Oh, that too. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you're limiting because, you know, deer aren't always going to walk where you expect them to walk. You know, you can have a, these deer patterned really well and they come in maybe 40 yards to the south of you. And you might walk through that because you're expecting them to come up behind you. And that might just save you getting busted. Mm-hmm. You know, if you kayak in, shorten your walk, make it more, I guess, more concise. Yeah, kind of more yeah. point A to point B. Yeah, yeah, rather than doing that number, which I've done a lot. In general, it seems like, I mean, even if it's not the thing that saves your hunt, just in general, less ground scent and, oh, yeah. and less miles covered and less sweat. Yeah. You're going to just have a better hunt. Like, it adds up. It does add up. For sure. Especially like, I don't kayak a lot, a whole lot when it gets later in the year because one, I don't want to flip and be freezing. Mm-hmm. And die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of hypothermia. Uh-huh. But and, and like, it's definitely, it's such an edge in the early season because, you know, when you look at the totality of the circumstances, all that stuff can add up. And, and I'm a big proponent of anything that can give you an edge. Even if it's that much, I'm going to take it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, for sure. Would you use, like, so talking about right now, as we're recording, it's Halloween. Um, as this releases, it'll be basically, like, right before Modern Gun. Sure. Will you utilize a tactic like this going in on a kayak at this point in the season? Or do you strictly, are you kind of saying you, you mostly strictly do that in the early season? So, in 2020, I took my kayak in... Uh, actually during Missouri rifle season, which is, I think it might have been the the 18th of November. 
So it was fairly chilly. Um, we had just got some rain that morning. It was a really rainy opening day. I mean, it poured that morning. But that night, one of my favorite times to hunt is like a post post rain or like maybe like a, a break in between the rain, which yeah. which is what it was that night because it rained shortly after. But I was like, you know what? Where I wanted to be was far back in on this core land. And uh, I could access it through some private, but I didn't want to do that. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to. I mean, the, the boat ramp was literally, without trying to give away the, the place, it was right, I mean, you paddle across the river and you walk up a ridge and that's where I wanted to be. Okay. So I was like, I'm going to do it. So I did, and I ended up killing a buck that I had seen that previous September, and I hadn't seen him since. And uh, he was just working up a, a fresh rub line that I found. I mean, it was one of the most... Uh, pronounced rub lines i've probably ever seen really oh my gosh it was fresh rubs and when i say fresh rubs probably within the week okay and there's probably half a dozen of them in the most straight line you could see down i mean it, it was almost like a i don't really want to call it a berm but it was, it was like a transition from really thick uh like pine like a pine thicket to more of like an open like oak flat almost that dropped off right behind me where I came up so I just kind of posted up at the top of that oak flat against the tree and here he come working that that rub line yeah so I got him out of there <laughs> I got I tried to get him out of there quick because that rain came I mean right right as I got him back to the truck it started coming so you so, were you were hitting that in between rains and yeah and you were like man this is as obvious as it gets like I got a fresh rub line here mm -hmm. I know that something's gonna be coming through yeah and and you know Bucks in the rut when they're cruising and scent checking areas like that. It was a good transition. It was, a, I mean, a, a very natural funnel. I'd seen deer in the past there. So I was like, why not? I, mean, I was going to, I was eventually going to just hammer that spot till I killed a buck till there. Something because something happened. Yeah. Cause when, you know, the rut's crazy. You never know what's going on with the rut. Deer move like crazy. But that coupled with all this fresh sign. It was like, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna set this spot out. You know I'm gonna beat it like a dead horse till yeah. something comes out of it or nothing comes out of it. But I was honed in on that spot, and kayaking in, it just made it a that much easier getting up there instead of coming probably the back way where it would have taken you however many miles to get to that spot. Yeah, and and who knows you know how many deer I would have bumped moving through there if any at all. But that just I just think it's, one, it's easy to paddle a kayak. Mm -hmm. They're not very heavy. Two, they're easy to move around. You can throw it in the back of a truck. You don't need anything crazy. And putting a deer on one, it's not as taxing as it sounds. Once you kind of get it evened out and you get that weight uh, kind of distributed evenly, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty easy to move one around on one of those things. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and that, what was the date on this, this hunt that you're talking about? Oh, I think the 18th or the 20th of November. Okay. I'd have to look. So you, so basically the point is, yes, like you still will fish or sorry, hunt out of a, yeah. a kayak into the rut. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, you know, if the situation calls for it, right. for sure. Yeah. That and that, sense. and that time it did and it worked. So yeah. that, that was why, uh, 
that was probably my best success story out of a using a kayak to access a spot. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, not not to beat a dead horse. I just thought it was a cool thing that, you know, I don't hear a lot of people doing. I did see somebody um, that we've talked with, a buddy of ours down in Arkansas. He was paddling in on a on a kayak the other day, and I was like, man, that's a good idea. Like, I, I need to try that sometime. Right. Oh, we definitely need to. Yeah. Well, and you have the, you have the setup for it. Yeah. There's some nice kayaks. I got a couple kayaks. We need yeah. They're not crescents, though, man. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, it's Arkansas all good. brand, right? Um, no, they're not. They're vibe. I don't even know. Where <laughs> oh yeah, Walmart yeah, yeah. brand. But no, no, no. They're way <laughs> nicer than that, man. I, I actually used to uh, fish out of a vibe sea ghost. Really? Yeah. It's not was, the sea. Is it the elephant? No, it is the sea ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are good boats, man. Those Dude, are good boats. Is it a good deer boat though? I don't know. Uh, they're they're pretty. I think they're pretty narrow. Is is the sea ghost the one that has the pedal like this and it can control yeah, the tail the fin, the rudder? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the one I got. It's got that front pod. Yeah. Let's yeah. try it. Hey, you can throw one on there. They got a nice, I mean, their weight rating is, I think it's like, it's over 400. Yeah. Like, I think it might be 425 or something like that. It's a great one. My, uh, my wife and I, this was back when COVID happened. It was 2020 and those stimulus checks came out. Oh yeah. <laughs> my wife and I were like, oh yeah, we're getting some kayaks. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good investment. Yeah. So we did that. We stimulated yeah. the economy. That's right. We did our, buying a vibe kayak. We did yeah. our part, man. Here for it. Buy local. There's a lot of things to know about hunting turkeys in the Ozarks, but there's two things I know for sure. One, it's that turkeys have really good eyesight, so your camo matters. Canis makes an incredible turkey camo. It is comfortable, it is breathable, blends into the background like no other. It is the perfect camouflage for those long sits back up against a white oak tree, hearing those hens and gobblers hold up 200 yards away as I'm just waiting for them to come in. The second thing you gotta know is you have to be prepared for anything. Whether it's a tom sneaking up behind you or a rainstorm coming at you out of nowhere, Canis has you covered. From the Nunavut rain jacket to the chamois fleece hoodie to the alpine pant with built-in knee pads, make sure you have Canis on you for this upcoming turkey season. Use our discount code OZARK for 15% off website or in-store and good luck this turkey season. Sadly, hunting season in the Ozarks has come to an end. But in these hills and hollers, it's always been the off-season where woodsmen dialed in their equipment to get ready for the next hunt. And there is no better time to dial in your shot grouping with some new gear from Umarex. Our friends over at Umarex produce some of the most accurate air-powered rifles in the world, with everything from 22 caliber guns for squirrels and rabbits, 30 calibers for coyotes, bobcats, and coons, all the way up to 50 caliber air rifles that can take down white-tailed deer, barrel hogs, and bear. Umarex leads the industry in accuracy and innovation, making some of the best hunting air guns on the market, hands down. Head on over to umarexusa.com and use our discount code OZARKAIR for 12% off your entire order and start getting dialed in for your next hunt. Let's say, let's think it's rut. We're in Missouri. We're in the Ozarks. Kayaks are play. Uh, access is at play. Talk me through like your general strategy of just targeting big mature deer in the mountains. So by, about that, by that time, I'll probably have scouted quite a bit. I like to take a lot of time midway through November, not November, sorry, October to like the beginning of November to just really put a lot of miles walking and hiking and even paddling around sometimes and just finding as much 
fresh sign as possible. Like, you know, when you, you get those first white oaks dropping acorns, um, especially in good transition areas, like, for example, if you're down in the real steep country close to the border, like the Mark Twain or whatever, mm-hmm. and you get you get in those hollers and you find, like, a bench that's got white oaks on it, or even red oaks, just really wherever the acorns are. Just food. Are. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. even browse, stuff like that. If you can find that fresh, the fresh deer sign on top of these acorns or whatever kind of food's going on, I mean, that's that's key for sure because, you know, does will be in there. And when that first doe goes into heat, then it's game on, you know, because then it's you're bringing bucks from afar. And these mountain bucks, you know, I mean, they will travel like they're crazy. How much, how much? It's like miles and miles. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I guess what some studies will say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I even I've noticed, I don't really run a whole lot of trail cameras anymore like I used to. I think recently I found more fun in uh, not knowing the the caliber of deer that's out there. Yeah. <clears throat> Rather than just finding pictures of these deer, I like to hunt their sign and then kind of be almost surprised. And, you know, you can tell a lot of times what sign a mature buck is leaving versus what sign like a younger buck is leaving. You know, very obvious things like obviously like a track. Yeah, the Every, size of a track. Everyone can tell by the size of track. Or if you look at a leaking branch over a scrape, you know, these little peons aren't going to, they're going to get up on their back legs to try and try and get high, but they're not going to get very high. But if you see these these leaking branches that are significantly higher up, you, you know, you can deduce that that's probably going to be a big buck. Yeah. Or more mature deer. Or the, uh, you know, bigger deer will make really aggressive scrape marks and almost throw the dirt back when they're making a scrape. Rather, every time I've watched a young buck make a scrape, they're very, a little more docile with it. Or the big bucks, I mean, they'll, they're like digging. Yeah. They're digging in there. But the young uh, guys are just kind of pawing around, just checking yeah. it out. So I'll look for that. And uh, about by that time, I kind of will have a good idea of where I want to be for that gun season because I love to bow hunt. Bow hunting is my favorite. But there's just something different about getting in the woods with a rifle, knowing, hey, I've got more range. I've got uh, more opportunity, and you can hunt differently when you have a rifle. You know, you can, definitely you can be more mobile. You don't really have to get in a tree all the time, especially when you're in that steep country. I don't. I can't tell you the last time I've rifle hunted out of a tree. Um, it's always been on the ground recently, but so I'll get in there if I want. If I find a spot that is probably going to be kayak worthy, you know, I'll, I'll I'll take my kayak in. But a lot of times, what I like to do especially when if we're going to stick on the topic of the the steeper more mountainous terrain is I'll get in there I'll hunt hard that morning and then I'll start I'll kind of start still hunting a lot okay now I say that with a grain of salt because some places it's not the safest thing to do mm, yeah just because you know public land lots of people out in the woods with that, rifles that's actually <laughs> yeah that you can that you can rifle hunt it's like okay you never know who's going to be out there so I think it's it's one of those things where it's it's very cliche to say because everybody says it these days, but getting as far back in there, especially in that situation, that's very beneficial because if you get in a spot and that's where a kayak comes in handy that you can access that the everyday dude is not walking to, right. one, you probably are going to see more deer, less pressured deer, or it's more like a spot that these deer are going to be pressured to. 
And uh, two, it's just naturally going to be safer because you're not going to have yahoos slinging lead everywhere. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right you know, so, right. so I'll, I'll do that. Um, or you, we like to camp a lot. So we'll, uh, we'll get in the spot and we'll camp and then we'll just, we'll take off. We'll get up early and we'll just probably try and put a mile in while it's still dark just to try and get as re- remote as possible for that very reason. So we can be a little more mobile. And we had a lot of success doing that last year. Uh, the guy you just met and another guy, we went out, we went down to Mark Twain and he killed a, a decent mountain buck down yeah. there, you know, something to be proud of in that, then that part of the country, especially after hiking. Like I think, I think he shot that thing at like noon or 11 and we had probably done like six or seven miles. Out oh, it was, that's a grind. Yeah. But what, and another thing that I, I want to touch on, that's I think somewhat unique to the Ozarks. It almost kind of like mirrors the Smokies a little bit. Appalachia is you can find sign during the rut, especially that looks fresh. But that buck could be by that time that you find the sign, he could be a mile, a mile and a half away already because mm. they're traversing so much ground that you could have maybe a new buck in there and uh, checking that scrape. Or a lot of times. By that time, really, they're, they'll just kind of give that scrape a scent check and then just kind of move around it. I've seen them, I've seen bucks, specifically even in the Ozarks, that they'll, there's a, a hot scrape right there, and they'll just kind of eyeball it, mature bucks, and then just move around it, like avoiding it. Yeah. You know, almost. Yeah, they don't even go in on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we'll do that a lot. Um, Are you saying that just to kind of, like, kind of connecting back to you don't run trail cameras so you're not keyed in on a specific buck that you may have seen in this area to a degree um a lot of it just comes with time not being able to you know i know they got cell cams all all over the place now but time to check the cameras and uh anymore i i do enjoy the surprise of not knowing what's in there yeah um that's that's fun that's just it's fun to me you know I, I, I've gone through a phase where I like finding bucks and hunting a specific buck. But now I'm kind of in the phase where I like finding new terrain and hunting the deer in that terrain mm. as opposed to keying in on a buck. Because it's almost more of like a you, – you're almost more exploring. Yeah. Wall hunting. It's like an adventure. Yeah, but – yeah, exactly. Seriously. And new country is always fun to see. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, so – Especially in that time of year, how, when bucks get really, really mobile like that, you can. Uh, it's almost one of those things like, you know, the only constant thing deer do is not be constant. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, they're always reliably unreliable. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, I, I don't want to sit here and say, you know, one thing is for sure because there's a. Every hunter does something different. You know, what works for one guy might work for a different guy. And sometimes it's just preference. But, I don't like to get too focused on a spot, especially during the rut, in the Ozarks. Now, it might be different if I'm hunting Kansas, you know, but that core area in the Ozarks is just going to be that much bigger, especially when they're chasing does through that that country. So I won't, I won't uh, take that kind of sign with, like, a super big notion that I want to hunt that specifically. Yeah. Now, I, I'll try and follow it almost or uh 
connect a lot of different dots as opposed to just that one. Mm -hmm. And this is very, again, this is specific to that kind of terrain. It might be different if I'm up hunting around the lakes here or if I'm hunting, you know, flatter ground that's not necessarily steep ridges. But for that scenario specifically, I like to just be as mobile as possible, cover ground. Um, you know, the the bump and dump method is a really good method for that kind of country too. And a lot of people don't realize it or they'll think, you know, they'll look at it in more of like a uh, black and white, I think, thing. Like you bump the deer, excuse me, you come back the next morning and I'm out of its bed, like the classic bump and dump method. But there's yeah. there's variations of bump and dump. I mean, I actually got it from watching the hunting public a couple of years yeah. ago. You know, the, the I think that's the first time I heard of it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so for someone who doesn't know what that is, you're kind of saying that like classic bump and dump, that yeah. would be you walk into a spot, you spot a deer, you literally bump it out of its bed, yeah. and then you know that like, okay, I'm gonna come back and hunt mm-hmm. this spot. So uh I'm you know, and, and, one of your followers might correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm almost certain the guy that kind of coined that was uh, Andre DeQuisto, lone wolf yeah. guy. Okay, and uh, traditional, but what's his what's his Instagram? It's like traditional so something. That's his son. Oh, that, that's Cody. That's yeah, Cody. Yeah. Okay, uh, um, dying breed bow hunter. That's right. Yeah, so he's a cool family. He's all tatted up. Yeah, like, exactly. Awesome. <laughs> so they, they do lone wolf custom gear, and back yeah. in the day, he was really big on purposely bumping a deer from where its bed was, getting in there early as can be, and he was very confident that that deer would come back and he'd kill it that next morning. In that same day or the that, next morning? Um, You know, I've heard of guys doing it the same day. Yeah, okay. But it, again, it just conditions, time of year, yeah, terrain, <clears throat> all kinds of stuff goes into that. And they were very good at that. But uh, the kind of like method of bump and dump that I was kind of talking about was you kind of bump a deer out of... I guess that area in the Ozarks that he's cruising or if he's on a doe or whatever, feeding, wherever he's doing in that area. A lot of times I've found that they'll, they will be back at least in that core area, maybe not on that same ridge system, but maybe in that drainage that drops off or like on a, on a bench or a shelf or, or whatever, saddle, whatever, maybe somewhere in that, that area, they'll come back because they're, they're there for a reason, right? Yeah. But then again, you get back to these bucks, you might bump them and they might just... Might be gone. Gone, gone with yeah. the wind. Yeah. Never so, to be seen again. It's one of those things that I'm st- I'm still in the process of really learning those big woods deer, mm-hmm. especially down there in that, that uh, national forest. Yeah. Because it's tough hunting, man. It I really mean, is. It, it's tough. We, we've talked with guys who've been literally deer hunting for 40 plus years and like they're still figuring it out. Yeah. And they'll say that it's like that's what keeps it fun and keeps it challenging. Is Absolutely. You can never figure it out. And and as soon as you think you do, like a deer's going to do something different yeah. and it's going to stump you and you're not just, you're not going to know right, why. Right. Exactly. And and like you said, the, the adventure part, that's what brings me back, you know, because you see cool stuff. Last year we saw a ton of deer down there and we finally found a, a caliber deer i had i already shot one with my rifle by the time we went down there but we found a caliber deer that my buddy wanted to shoot and it was just like the coolest thing for everything to add up Mm -hmm. and finally come full circle to shooting that buck yeah and it was just like you know i would rather especially where i'm at now as a hunter i would rather have an experience like that than to go somewhere 
like on private land by myself and shoot like a stud. Mm. Cause that's still fun in itself, but there's just something about being in the Ozarks. Cause I love the Ozarks. I mean, I'm, I'm not plugging anything here, but it's just, there's no place like it. And to kill deer in terrain like that, where not a lot of people are killing deer. Yeah. It's, you feel very proud. It's, it's, you know? a, it's the reward behind the challenge. Yeah. It's like, it yeah, makes yeah. it worth it. When you finally pull it off, you're like, you realize the, the magnitude of what you've done. Yeah, exactly. And I think, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I think it's that deer killing that deer was more challenging than you going out to like your back 40 on some private land and killing a 150. Yeah. Cause I've done both, you know? Yeah. And, uh, there's, you just can't beat that. You really can't. And that, those kind of hunts and those kind of trips, I will, I will rank them higher than any wall hanger I've ever killed. Yeah. I love it. And you're hitting on, some important things here, the the mystery of it, the the joy of that and hunting Ozark Mountain Deer, I think is what brings me and many, many, many other people back to it year after year. Say it's in Kansas, for example. Right. We seem to hate on Kansas on this podcast. I don't <laughs> want people to think we're Kansas haters. <laughs> Anyone from Kansas is like, these guys hate. Totally. We really don't. Me. You'll actually have a small corner There's of the Ozarks technically here. technically part so of the Ozarks there. you. There yeah, 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 yeah. Very small. But, you know, you, you hear but, the stories of the guys who say they, they own some land, and they're like, man, I'm growing deer out here, and right. I'm passing the 130, the 140, the 150 forever. Crazy. And Crazy. In these woods, you're never doing that. It doesn't, I don't never. care how how highly you think of yourself, unless you're actually just that amazing at deer hunting in the Ozarks. But man, a 150 inch Ozark mountain buck comes walking by, you're oh, shooting I, it. It's gonna, it's, it's dying. Dude, right? like you're going for it. If you're it. not, like, what are you doing? If you're not, like, so we're passing up what I consider like growing deer out here. Dude, I'm passing up the yearling forked horn. Yeah. To like hope that he gets bigger one day. Right. But just the the caliber of deer that are in the woods, when they get big, it makes them, like you're saying, that much oh, more yeah. special. Oh, and yeah. when you're talking trail cam strategy, and then I have one more thought, and then I'll I'll shut up. But <laughs> I was talking with a buddy recently, and he was asking me, we were just texting, he's like, dude, are you running a bunch of cameras this year? I was like, no, one, I don't have time for it. Two, I don't have the money for it. Three, I'm actually kind of tired of it. Exactly. I like a trail camera for bear hunting. I like to just know sure. what bears are showing up. But I would rather spend my time in the woods just observing what's around me naturally and being surprised by it, being willing to even be surprised by it because I think it's fun, um, rather than trying to target a specific buck. And I've realized in my years of hunting Ozark Mountain Deer, I can find a deer on camera and get really excited about it, see him early season, never see him in the rut. Yeah. See him late season. Then I know he's there if he survived, and we have some stories like that. But Sure trail cameras just have not been an essential part of my strategy in, in trying to find deer. What has been a, an essential a, an essential uh, part of the strategy is recognizing the seasons, which you're talking about, mm-hmm. which I think is really important. And I do want to hit on it. The amount of guys I talk to, and I'm guilty of this and have been in the past, who hunt deer in the mountains in October like it's the middle of November. So they're calling aggressively. Yeah. They're seeking out fresh scrapes and rubs and planting their butts over them and never moving. All of that kind of stuff. And they then they hose themselves and get burned out. Yeah. Like, that's a bad strategy. I've done that. Right. Um, and then you have a, a bunch of other guys. So I've hunted that poorly. And then in November, I turn around and try to hunt it like you should be doing in October. Yeah. Because you're like, well, this didn't work. So maybe if I find the right food or the perfect mm-hmm. spot or the best pinch point or whatever, 
when when it's the rut, like find the travel areas yeah, <laughs> and exactly. find where there's food and find where there's going to be dough. Exactly. Hunt like you would or should have been, I guess, in October. October. Yeah, right. for sure. And you're going to have bucks coming through. And right. it could be the buck that's, you know, 10 hours before was six miles on the other yeah. mountain. Yeah. I love your approach of like, I'm just getting in the woods in the right spot to yeah. see what unfolds. That is so much fun. Oh, yeah. And, you know, for a long time, trail cameras would like, I don't know about other people, and I'm not hating on trail cameras for everyone out there who probably. Oh, me neither. And we were just coming off a couple episodes ago. It was like, uh, like the Rustin episode. Dude, that's their strategy. He was and like, it works. He was like, this is how this is how I get it done, and I see a ton of big deer, and I'm able yeah. to find huge deer and hunt them this way. So it, it's just right. interesting how everyone has their own philosophy. Preference, yeah. Like like what I was saying earlier, a different hunter's preference might work for him. Again, for me. The the fun, the mystery, the exploring, that stuff right now, especially in my hunting career, takes precedence over, I got to shoot a big buck every year. You know, I want to go out and learn about deer. I want to learn more mm. about the deer itself, how they move, what they do, see them do cool, cool things that, you know, you might not get to see if you're just, I don't know, targeting one deer and hunting like one core area or whatever. Yeah. And kind of like what you were saying, touching on trail cameras and hunting a specific way. Like, it just kind of leaves you disappointed sometimes, you know? And it would make you be like, for me anyway, I'd be like, man, like, where is this freaking deer? Yeah, <laughs> He's supposed to show up. He's on camera. He's yeah. And another thing that I like to say to people is trail cameras are like, they only show you like 30% of what's actually going on. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people put too much stock in trail cameras. And that's where I kind of like, not shy from them but just one of the big reasons i don't use them a lot is because you can kind of get into the mindset where you're taking too much account into what you're seeing on a trail camera when you're not seeing hardly anything and if you like put your trail camera 20 yards down this ridge and you're not getting pictures that doesn't mean there's not deer there they could right. be 30 yards on the other side mm -hmm. and just not walking by your camera especially in big woods you oh know? yeah oh yeah for sure because like you have all this land and terrain and all kinds of funnels, all kinds of travel corridors to pick from. Like, you know, you, you can pick from a sign, but you, your trail camera placement is only going to be as good as your scouting. Right. So that's where a lot of people, in my opinion, could, I guess, differ when using a trail camera or, yeah. or could maybe focus on more and not yeah. get so like, my, my shooter's gone. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hunt. Like, dude, go hunt. Yeah. Well, yeah, it depends at the end of the day what you're trying to get out of it. If you're right. really good with trail cameras, and we've talked to guys who are really good at it, and you're like the the most enjoyment you can have in the woods is targeting that deer, yeah. that one that you found, and you're keyed in on how he moves and when he moves and what he does and all the stuff, and you love the strategy of trying to get in there and be quiet and be sent free and all the stuff to get that deer, Sure, like go for it. Yeah. If you're like me and you don't have the time – the time to exactly. put that stuff in. I get the most enjoyment being honest, put it on record. I just like seeing deer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, it's fun. Even if, even if the big buck may not come through that area, but I know there's a good chance that I'm going to see a lot of does, some small bucks, whatever. Yeah. Especially leading up to the rut. Like I just, I love that stuff. I like watching them. Yeah. I want to see yeah. them. Yeah, I yeah. think it's, it's fun to be in the woods with them. Yeah, it is. I've, I've got a spot right now just to, to kind of, uh, in this, but give an example that like goes to it and then move to another topic. 
I'll say I've got a spot right now that it's new property. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've not hunted it in the past. And I put, this is my first year to actually buy a cell cam. I've, nice. I'm paying the monthly payment. Yeah. But it's expensive. Like to run more than one, I just be like, it, it, it starts to add up, right? Like 24 bucks a month or something like that. Depending on, yeah, yeah they've got different levels. Yeah. And stuff like that. But um, that adds up. It does add up, especially if you're trying to run a whole bunch. Yeah. What I like seeing is you're totally right. Like it only shows such a small percentage of mm-hmm. actually what's there because even in times where I've hunted nearby this camera this season, you know, I've had some good sign on camera, but like the last three hunts I've I've been out to this little area, it's not a huge place, yeah. is um like half of the deer that I see are nowhere near the scrape and, and yeah. the camera and, and everything that's going on there. But you're still seeing the deer. But I'm seeing them. Right. And so I know that like, man, yeah, it's been three or four days in a row where like I haven't seen a deer. It doesn't mean that the shooter that's been coming in or the couple of different deer that, you know, the mature doe or whatever's there yeah. isn't coming in and just going around and going a different way. Right. And so anytime that I start to think about that, like, I'm just like, no, man, it's it's time to go. Like, yeah. we're hunting. It's hunting season. I've got a free Saturday. Like I'm getting out yeah. there. I don't care if I haven't seen deer on camera for the last four days in a row. Right. It's, right, it's time right. to go. Yeah. And with that, like on the flip side of what I was saying earlier, you can use that negative intel almost to base a new strategy off of. If you're like not getting pictures of mm. deer on your one of your cameras, you know, a guy can be like, okay, well, I know there's deer on this property. Mm-hmm. There's sign everywhere. I'm going to hunt opposite of where this camera is and maybe the deer. And it, it can lead you in the right direction. Yeah, you can kind of deduce yeah. that area, like take that out of your Yeah, like response. a trial by elimination or something like that. Yeah. You can eliminate areas you know. Hey, this camera show me, not show me deer, but it's showing me the deer aren't here. Right, right. So I'm going to pick this other spot. They might be over here. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. you just kind of pick away at it. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so kind of move, changing topics a little bit. Sure. I, I kind of asked you coming into this, like, all right, man, we're we're talking, you know, the rut is here. We're hunting in, in the Ozarks, specifically Missouri. We're mm-hmm. hunting in Missouri. You're up here in Missouri. Yeah. Um, as as people are getting into the woods and Modern Gun is coming up, um, what are kind of three key things for the rut that you would that you would say like, do these three things and you're gonna increase your chances of of killing a good deer? Sure, sure. Um, obviously prior scouting is a big thing to me. Even scouting, scouting your way in to a spot. Like if you want to get out there midday and slowly scout your way, find somewhere you want to go. That's one of my favorite things to do because you can cover ground, you can see new things, you can see sign, and then you can position yourself in a spot you want to be to hunt. Well, I don't know. Would that technically fall under one of the three things? Because I mean, if you're saying scouting, like if yeah. scouting is one of those things, and you're like scouting is number one on that list, and it and it's not just what you think of as scouting as like preseason. I'm checking out this area, yeah. or even in season. But you're talking about like day of day the hunt, of yeah. as you're walking in, you are scouting. Yeah, that's a big. I mean, that for me has been huge. I can count, especially during gun season, I can count a lot of stories where I've, I've had. You know, I've got intel of where deer are, but moving in with a gun, midday, moving slow, seeing what I can find, and then picking out a spot, I've had a lot of success doing that. Yeah. A lot of success doing that. Um, I, I think a big thing for me, and 
some advice I would give is not to pigeonhole yourself. You yeah, know, a lot of the old... Mean. And this might... I'm going to explain. Go there. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't... I have two thought processes on this. Part of me during the rut, during gun season, I like to pick a spot and I like to sit sun up to sundown. But the problem with the rut that I've been finding out, I mean, it's like feast or famine. You know, you're either going to be in it or you're not. You're going to go and see the craziest deer activity ever, craziest rut activity, chasing, snorting, grunting, all that kind of stuff, or you're not going to see a deer. So what I've been doing is I like to be, I like to be mobile. I like to, like I said earlier, being mobile is huge for me. I don't like to just, when I say pigeonhole, I don't want to just limit myself to one area mm. or even one property. Like there's some places that I, that I hunt or have hunted in the past, you know, like 60 acres here, 40 acres here, 80 acres here. And you know, if I maybe if I hunted them consistently, I'd, I could kill a lot of deer on them, but I am to the type where like I'm hunting one or two days, no luck, I'm moving. Yeah. Because uh, some people say the best times to that you're going to hunt are the first couple of days you're in there. To a degree, I agree with that, but not because of maybe you're spooking deer, bumping deer, but because for me anyway, if I'm in a new spot, I'm on my A game. So I'm hunting harder. Mm -hmm. I'm taking into account access a lot more than I am a place I'm very comfortable with. Okay. Um, I'm more alert. Um, You're not playing on your phone. Yeah, I'm paying a lot more attention because I'm like, again, it's a mental thing for me because when you're in a new spot, you don't know. And so I'm I'm very optimistic. Yeah. Especially, you know, you go into these spots very confident. It's going to change how you hunt. And uh, I've had a lot of success doing that not and not killing like big bucks but just killing deer being on deer killing medium sized bucks yeah you know, which are still fun but doing that bouncing around from property to property or or spot to spot or tree to tree it just i think it keeps you on your toes more yeah you know and that, that's and that, interesting i've never heard anyone put it like that it, it's because i've heard the same sentiment it's like the first couple of times you go in yeah that's the best right but i i always chalk that up too and i think most people chalk that up too because you're putting a lot of sit on the ground, they're yeah. figuring you out as you're coming in or leaving. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, that guy's over there in that tree. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to go walk by there. Well, but you're saying like, no, it's actually like, it's a mindset thing for me. Yeah, definitely. I am on edge and I'm in a new spot. Like, what is going on here? I'm trying to figure it out. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to like think of some kind of comparison. I'm pulling a Kyle and trying to blank <laughs> early. Let me see but, if I can help you here. Um, so like... It's like oh, the first gosh. time you do anything, pretty yeah. much. It's like yeah. you're kind of, you're a little bit more aware. Um, you're a little bit more like not certain. So you're going to take extra care and yeah. and be extra detail-oriented. Exactly. Detail-oriented. That's good. Because you're like, this is my first time here. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't want to screw it up. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I'm more hyper-aware of everything going on around me. I'm, I'm more focused. I'm not on my phone. Right. I'm not lackadaisical because... You know, maybe I hunted this spot last year and I didn't have any luck, so I'm just going to, you know, chill out and or whatever. Or mm. on the flip side of that, I'm not hunting a spot and I'm like, oh, I know these deer are going to filter through here quarter till dark or whatever. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know you're not do. making those assumptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're, you're finding that sign. You're confident because you want to set up in a spot you're confident. And going in there, and, you know, obviously, 
it'd be foolish to say, I'm going to, I'm going into a spot and I know I'm going to kill a deer every spot yeah. I set up. But like, okay. if you go with that mindset, it definitely helps. And it can get you through a long sit, especially during the rut. And especially in terrain like the Ozarks, man, like, like, you know, feast or famine, because, uh, there've been times where I'll go in a spot and I'm like, this is money. Yeah. There's going to be deer here. And then I sit and it's like, you don't see a deer. Nothing. <laughs> so it's like, my goodness. And then, uh, you don't want to get down, right? So you, you go to your next spot you've scouted or your next spot you've picked out or you hunt that for another day, give it a chance, then you you move. Yeah. And also, not to go down a rabbit hole here, but uh, with, with the moving around, bouncing around from spot to spot, public piece to public piece, whatever, you're doing a lot of scouting as is for years down the road mm. or you're putting mm. more spots in your pocket for later when... You know, for example, this year, it was probably like early, mid-October. Go to one of my spots. There's trucks there. And I'm like, oh, well, that sucks, yeah, you know, because I, I, I planned on hunting this spot based on the wind and yada, yada, yada. But the fact that I've hunted so many different spots and I have these options, I, I'm not going home, mm, right? Yeah. I'm going, okay, I'm going to go to plan B, which still works out for this wind and these conditions. And then you go in there and boom, you shoot a doe. Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. something like that. So uh, it, it, it definitely it gives you options. It keeps you positive. And just putting boots on the ground in new places is so fun yeah. to me. I mean, it's so fun. I, that goes back to your what you were saying about yeah. having an adventure, like exploring. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you kind of do yourself a disservice if like your experience of the Ozarks is that one five-acre plot that you hunted your right. whole life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Or, or ten acre or twenty acre, Dude, totally. I, whatever I it is. feel, I feel bad for people that don't get to experience like the true Ozarks. You know, it's such a, it's such a cool thing to see. It's such a cool thing to see deer move through it and and mm -hmm. work that kind of terrain. But on the flip side, you go up in like Southwest Missouri, a little further north than that uh, Mark Twain area. Yeah, that we've kind of talked about a lot, and you get. A little less aggressive terrain, but it's still, you still have really steep canes, steep haulers. I, that Coraline I was talking about, it's up near Palm de Terre Lake. Dude, there's some, there's some steep, steep country up there, especially along the river. And, uh, but then you get in there and it, you get a lot of these, uh, like dolomite glades. So, you know, like the big glades that are like the rocky bottom or whatever. Yeah. A lot of people look at that and they're like, uh, you know, deer aren't, why would deer be in here? And, yeah. You know, deer aren't in there, but it's definitely like an easy travel corridor. And I have found, and I I need, I'd like to look into this more because I haven't really got a, into hunting it a whole lot because I don't really trust those spots quite yet just because I haven't learned a bunch about them. But you get in these like glades that you just randomly will find. And any 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 part of that that is soft and not that rock I found scrapes in it like crazy. Really? Yeah, hmm. and, and and this this really kind of came from when I was scouting in 2020. It was still kind of like COVID-y in November. Yeah. October. So I, I had a lot of free time, and uh, I scouted a lot of that, and I would find a lot of scrapes in those. You'd, you'd be walking. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, like, it's, uh, it's these clearings in the woods, and it's basically like a rocky outcropping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of and the and there's a lot of evergreens in there. Yeah. And... uh Dude, anytime that rock transitions to like dirt or any kind of soft stuff, I would find a ton of scrapes. Really? Yeah, but you look at that and you're like, 
Is this not, are these night scrapes? Like, is this night activity? Like how in the world would you hunt this? But I don't really know how I started on that topic, but it's just I, I'm scouting. cool, cool I'm, to see. You I'm know? glad you brought that up because actually on that kind of side note, glades are something that are super interesting to me. I've always heard of the Everglades and I think of like, oh, well, the swamps and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. That's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. What I've heard in the Ozarks, and we actually, there's a guy on our list who we, who we want to interview. He's a glade specialist. He works for like mm. the National Forest. And they talk about glades as being one of these areas that um, they're like one of the most biodiverse areas in terms of habitat, um, plant life, species. There's like certain types of lizards and just species of all different kinds of stuff that intersect in these little pockets within the forest. And so they're just really cool to your point, like just cool things to see. Yeah. It almost sounds like, like a, like an Ozark oasis. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should coin that term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Heard it here first. Right. But yeah, stuff like that's cool to see. Um, so, so you said is the first thing then scouting, would the second oh, thing yeah, be point. staying mobile or are you including that in the first one? No, I would say, yeah, I would, I would say that's its own thing because yeah, like, you, I think so. you know, you scout, scouting is one thing. But then, like I touched on the, the mental side of staying mobile, moving around, putting new spots in your pocket, being positive, all that good stuff. That's like another thing in itself. And that's something I've really learned as of late. Like, really, I really started learning a lot of this stuff in college when I had more time to just skip class. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> don't even get me started on skipping class. We are guilty of that. Same oh, thing. my gosh. I don't know how I even graduated. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, just finding all. Going back to the point of just boots on the ground, being yeah. in the woods, seeing what you can see, finding a sign. That, uh, that's kind of how I started learning that. And then I would start to, I remember in, like, I would get frustrated in high school and whatnot, or, you know, whenever I didn't really know what I was doing, I'd be sitting out there, sun up to sundown, because that's what you did during the rut. And that's what you always hear is people, yeah. it's rut, you got to sit in the tree all day. Which, you know, to a degree, there's validity in that. When I hunt Kansas, I'm probably not moving all day because mm-hmm. just those, the deer are just different. Like what we talked about earlier, the deer here, super different. Deer in Kansas, they respond to calling a lot better than anything I've ever seen yeah. here. Rattling. You can rattle. We've heard that a lot recently. Too. Dude, you can rattle bucks in left and right. And you're like, and they, they come quick. Like my biggest deer I've ever killed, he, I grunted him in on Halloween night. And I mean, it was just like ears back hair bristled up. He was, he was ready. And you do that here and it's like, you grunt, rattle, you, you might not see anything. Yeah. It's like, I think I scared all of them yeah. away. <laughs> or, uh, I've had, I had a time once where I was hunting some public land and, uh, in high school and I grunted and here comes this buck. And I, looking back now, he was definitely on edge mm-hmm. at the time. I didn't really know it. He gets like probably 35 and I draw back and I give him just a little meh. The second that left my lips, he was just turned on a dime, snort, blew, gone, blew at me, gone. just gone back the way he came. Oh, I was no. like, what Seriously? in the world? <laughs> you know, so just different deer, man, yeah. different deer. And like you were saying, you get a big 130, 140-inch deer here. Oh, my gosh. It's just so much different than that kind of deer out, out there. Yeah. Or even like, you know, anywhere else, northern Missouri. Mm-hmm. I mean, you cross the river. It's just different. Yeah. You know? The deer are different. We need to get somebody on our podcast who is like, no, I rattle in the Ozarks and it works. You know what I mean? Because we've yeah. heard from so many people who yeah, are like, do. 
it just does. I haven't seen it work for me. I'd be really yeah. curious to hear from someone who's like, no, it works. You just got to do it this way. Like this is I, how I do it. I think, oh gosh, I think I've rattled in two bucks in Missouri. One of them, I was hunting a private piece and kind of like a bigger field. Yeah. And I rattled him and it was almost just like a curiosity thing. He came out in the field and I shot him. The other one I rattled in was, it was 2017. He was a mountain buck up by, uh, well, I'll just say it was up by Palmy. Okay. And uh, it was like, you know, pretty picture perfect rattling. And he came in all bristled up looking around and I was like, well, that, that actually works, yeah. you know? <laughs> but I think those are like the only two times I've ever had success rattling. And yeah. you rattle in like dinks and whatnot all the time that are just curious. Right. Like, what the heck was that? I wonder yeah. if it's because they're so, I mean, they're so move, mobile and move around and don't. Yeah. They, they probably just not. Know, there's just not like a fight for it mentality as much right. as it is like a, I'm going to outrun you for that dough. Yeah, it's it's very uh that's that's funny you said cuz it it makes me wonder like the reasoning behind it. And you might see I don't know, you might see a buck that's like maybe hasn't seen another buck all rut or mm -hmm. it just depends on where you're at with deer density, you know. I don't know. Yeah. But that's a, that's definitely a cool thought to think about. I I couldn't tell you. I don't yeah. know. I don't, I don't know. I've heard. If bucks. you're listening and you you do this or you know someone who does this in the Ozarks, we'd love to talk. Yeah, reach yeah. out. I've I've heard bucks in the Ozarks rattling, uh, big aggressive bucks one time in my life. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, it was my, I think it was my first decent deer hunt with my dad. Buck comes out in a field chasing some does. Yeah. Big old eight point, drop him. And uh, still pretty light outside. Like there's probably 30 minutes or so left oh, yeah, of daylight yeah, yeah. and of so we saw him and we saw him die he didn't move so we climbed out of the stand and walked over there and he was like all right you know my dad i'll go grab the four-wheeler you stand here watch over this thing uh if he gets up if he tries to get up he was dead <laughs> yeah. but i was little he's like if he tries to get up shoot him, shoot him. <laughs> if, uh, him but I'm, I'm gonna teach you how to field dress a deer yeah. so i'm i'm getting excited to learn that process and i'm standing there and i hear behind me in the woods some really really aggressive fighting rattling yeah. snorting all the stuff and uh my dad drives a four-wheeler down he gets off the four-wheeler turns it off it's still going on and he's like what is that and i was like i don't know i was gonna go check it out and he's like glad you did it didn't right. you could have got run over yeah, or something yeah, yeah. and so we ended up field dressing that first deer and getting him out and we then asked the whole deer camp we were with like was anybody not really far from that field rattling you know everybody's like no no we, no idea what you're talking about and so all that to say one time out of yeah. now and close to 20 years of deer hunting and you, <laughs> and you so, know i think a lot of it might have to do now that like thinking about it as we're sitting here talking about it it might honestly just have to do with lower deer density so you're just not you're not around it as much mm. or you, there's not a lot of deer to be doing it a lot that might, you know, who yeah, knows, that, that very might be well reason. Be. I've heard, I watched two bucks fight one time, and it, I say fight, it was more like a late October kind of spar. Yeah. And, uh, but that was more like, that was like outside of Springfield. So it was, you know, still the Ozarks, but it's private and whatever. So there's a lot more higher deer density on stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other times. I've had buddies send me videos of bucks sparring and fighting and stuff, mm -hmm. but like, to the true Ozark mountain buck, I just think you see it a lot less. Yeah, because there's makes sense. there's just a lot less deer density, and you're, mm -hmm. you're 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 probably not running into just a, a whole pile of bucks like you would mm -hmm. on private or out in Kansas or wherever. Yeah, you know. Yeah. 
We've had we, we had, had two. 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 You got one more for us? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it does kind of sound cliche, but like, I'll stick to the theme of big woods, big ridges, Ozarks. Just finding deer I've found in those areas doesn't matter what kind of deer you find. If you find deer kind of in an area, and when I say area, you know, it could be like 80 acres of a 30,000 acre piece. So if you find, which is, you know, that's a big area to cover. Yeah, still a lot of ground. Yeah. If you find deer concentrated in like that area on some kind of limiting factor. So like you find a limiting factor in that area. Like what? Food, water, um, good travel routes, good thermal hubs. If you find some kind of limiting factor, which is, it's hard to find. It really is in in that kind of country. But if you find that and you find deer, odds are you're probably going to find bucks also because that's where the does are. You know, odds are does are going to be in heat that time of year. So that's where the bucks are going to be because you, you find the does, you find the bucks. Yeah. So my philosophy for when I hunt that way is first just find deer, then start trying to find the bucks. If you're, you know, if you're going for killing bucks, if not, you you found the deer. You've done it. You did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it, it's crazy to me to think about how hard it is sometimes in that kind of country just to find deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like we were talking about earlier, you can find all kinds of deer sign, but those deer, they just move so much more than people are used to whitetails moving because they they have to in that kind of area. Now, I say they have to. It's, again, situational deer don't always do the same thing all the time. Right. But they just, uh, from my experience, I've noticed that they, they move a tremendous amount more than other deer I've seen. Mm-hmm. Especially big woods like that, yeah. steeper stuff. They're small, you know. Their bodies are smaller because they're burning more calories. They're moving a lot more, so they're just harder to find in general. Plus, you get a lot of pressure. I mean, that's that's one thing I haven't even talked about is pressure. Just because pe- you know, public land is public land, mm-hmm. so it move it, it makes them move a lot more, especially during the gun season. Yeah, I'd like to go and I don't hunt as much as I want to during bow season and that that big wood stuff. I'd like to. I want to. I, I plan to every year. Yeah. <laughs> but I find myself during bow season, especially early season, hunting smaller pieces of public. Yeah. Or more, uh, more around the lakes, like the kayaking stuff. Yeah. This year we we've hunted a a very very pressured piece of public because one we we it's closer for us to go to and uh, just a little bit more convenient. Mm-hmm. And two, it's kind of like we kind of like made it our goal to try and kill a deer off this place because this is the type of place you see the dudes walking around in like the full-blown denim with the crossbows and wearing orange during bow season like yeah. grunting as they walk just like your brand new guys in yeah. hunting this is the spot they go and uh so it was kind of like let's try and kill a deer off this and i've killed does off this place before but this year opening weekend we decided aaron and i decided to go uh Go hunt this place and uh gosh, I'm getting way off. No, this is great. way off here. <laughs> but uh one thing I like to do in the early season that a lot of people don't do or like frown upon is hunt mornings. Mm. So like I'm sure you've heard, oh, mornings in the early season, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. Sure, maybe. But I actually picked this up from a guy um several years ago. 
and I tried it once in Kansas in September and it actually worked. I killed a buck on my birthday doing this, but uh, getting in as early as you can, not like super early, but like you want to be there well before daylight. And I will literally get like, I'll find, I'll find a buck bed or what I think is a buck bed. And I will get like right on top of it. Probably 20 yards. This, this buck bed we were like 30 yards from. And, uh, the goal is to catch them traveling off that food that they're feeding on at night that they come in the evening, which everybody hunts the evening because they want to hunt the food source. Well, a lot of those deer, you know, just feed all night and work their way slowly back to their bed. Sure enough, this, this buck, it was probably about seven o'clock. If that chair is the bed, he, and we were in between him, he was probably... I don't know, 20 yards when he popped out into this bedding area, walking straight to that bed. And then, I mean, it was, I couldn't have drawn it up better. Yeah. I shot him at like 15 yards. No way. Yeah, and that's just, actually, uh, I got that from a Joe Rentmeester. He's a, he's one of the guys on The Hunting Beast. Okay. And uh, he he has so much success doing that. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to try that. Just hunting beds or hunting near yeah. beds. I mean, like, it almost mirrors the bump and dump idea yeah, to a degree. But if you can get in there, access is a big thing. You got to have a good access. The way we access this spot, we like scaled, scaled this bluff. I mean, it wasn't 90 degrees, but it was pretty close pretty to 90 close. degrees. <laughs> when you're walking up at it sideways like this. Yeah, the switchbacks. Yeah, and getting in it that way rather than walking the, the main path that everybody walks and you're walking close to where they're feeding, just knowing where they're feeding, knowing where they're bedding. And this take this took a couple of years of hunting this piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't anything to write home on. He's a big-bodied deer. He's a big-bodied deer, but uh, it was just so exciting having that plan and making that work. Yeah. Um, and that just goes back to the point of finding deer. You find where the deer are. Doesn't matter what time of year it is, you know, find their beds. Bedding is a huge thing. Yeah. Early season, especially October. But the rut part, going back to that rut part, finding where the does are. Because, they, you know, does will bed. They're not like a buck. They're not going to find a, especially in the Ozarks, in the, the, the mountainous areas, that big woods country. They'll just bed where they're comfortable, you know. As opposed to bucks. Yeah, a lot of times bucks will have like a specific bed. Okay. Um, until you get like in the real steep mountain country, then they, then they're, those bucks are crazy. They'll bed all kinds of different places from what I've seen. They don't just, they don't stick to one spot. No, 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 no. Like you might see other bucks. Yeah. Now, again, this is, this is comes from ignorance of not hunting that kind of terrain in the early season. It might be, it might be different in the early season, but, um, there's just so I think there's so much green in that kind of in that part of the country that they they feel a lot more comfortable mm-hmm. uh, bedding in different places because there there's no like there's no fields down in there there's no meadows there's no open areas there's just timber yeah you know so they can they can get away with a little bit more as opposed to like you hunt a spot like where we hunted uh, opening weekend. It's it's a lot of it's it's different terrain. You got your ridges, and they manage it. MDC manages it uh, for like quail a lot, so they have a lot of grassland and whatnot, and uh, 
all kinds of different terrains. There's creek bottom and stuff like that. So when you get into a spot like that, you can kind of hone in on where a buck's going to bed a little more. Right. As opposed to down in that big wood stuff, it's like, you know, where do Could I be begin? anywhere. Could be anywhere. That's, and that's kind of another reason I, I stick to hunting it during the rut is because you get a little more, um, a little more help with the, with the deer movement. And, and during the rut, you can kind of take things in your own hands a little bit with the calling, with the being mobile and having a rifle and all that good stuff. So it definitely helps when you're hunting that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, so, so if we had to say the three things, it would be the first is scouting. Yeah. And and that's everything from preseason to in season to all the way up to day of day of I'm scouting as I'm walking to my spot. Yeah. yeah. The second thing was, I mean, it was being a, mobile, being mobile, staying yeah. mobile, so having, mindset, being mobile, having different spots in your pocket, moving around, staying positive, yeah, that mindset, not getting, not getting down. Don't feel and don't feel like you have to stay in one yeah, tree all day long hole. just because you've always heard that. From yeah, somebody exactly. Else. Exactly. And then the last one is just be where the deer are, which kind of ties into both. Yeah. But um, if you can just start by finding deer in general, yeah. The bucks will come. Right. And finding does. Yeah. If the bucks are chasing does. Yeah. Especially that time of year. Yeah. You know? So for that terrain, that time of year, those are my three. Yeah. I like it. And then I'd go it's with a good three. Know, pack some snacks. Pack some snacks. Always have good <laughs> snacks because you don't want to be hungry. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. Sam, we appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank Thanks you. for thank inviting you. us up to your place up here in Joplin. And um, hopefully, some, some Missouri guys are hearing this and they're like, man. I know Sam, or I've seen yeah. Sam around, or man, I hunt some of those same places he mentioned, and sure, and um, and I know you didn't spot Vern any places no, too bad, no. so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's been a good time hanging out with you, and we appreciate you. Yeah, sharing. thank thank you guys for coming. Thank you guys for touching on the Missouri side of the Ozarks too. Absolutely, definitely, we love doing it. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time. Good luck to you guys this deer season. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, man. yeah. Send us some pictures. Oh yeah, big for sure. Killing. Fingers crossed. We got some good trips lined up. Uh, I know we're trying to wrap this up, but. Going back to the the camping, packing in the second week of rifle season, uh, a guy and I are we're packing in to some national forest, kind of on the eastern side of the state, and uh, like the St. Francis Mountain area. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's got pack llamas. No, that he oh, takes out sweet. west. So we're loading these llamas down. We're going like six miles as far back into this. Oh, as we can. We're, awesome. we're camping for six or seven days. So, or excuse me, three or four days. Okay, six seven miles, three or four days. Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I'm dude. looking forward to that, dude. That's, that's gonna, gonna be, be a good ton time. of fun. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely send some pictures. We'll f- for sure share those on yeah. our Instagram whenever you're posting. Cool. 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 Well, we appreciate it. To our listeners, if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure you uh, send it to a buddy. Let us know by leaving a five star written rating and review, and we'll see you on the next one. This podcast is hosted by Kyle V and Kyle Plunkett and produced by Daniel Matthews. For guest recommendations, episode ideas, and general questions, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or email us at theozarkpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, we love making this show and being able to offer this podcast to y'all for free. But if you're listening and you want to support the Ozark Podcast to allow us to travel even further and meet more interesting people, head over to our Patreon and sign up to join our most loyal listeners. Let me tell you, these folks are 100% certified Ozarkins. And of course, we can't forget to thank our good buddy, J.D. Clayton, for providing the amazing music for today's episode. Check out his website to see where he's touring next at jdclaytonofficial.com.